Last lesson in this series, why we believe what we believe, as you can see on the title behind us, about the second mile. In a world where most people simply just do Enough to get by. That's generally the thought of people. I'm going to do just enough. It may be in our jobs. It may be in our marriage. It may be in our parenting. It may be socially. It may be in our church spiritually. But in a world in which most people have the mentality that I'm going to do just enough to get by. For our young people, it may be a class in school or college or whatever the case may be. But I'm going to do just enough so that I can claim that I did it. Or I got through. I completed just enough. That's required of them. And it's refreshing for us to see someone who wants to go the extra mile. Who wants to put in that extra little bit of time or a little bit of effort in whatever the case may be, whatever realm of life that we are in. I'm in a different realm of life than a lot of younger people. Younger people are in a different life than a lot of younger people than them. But it's refreshing to find someone who wants to do just a little more. I don't know, many of you have probably been into Chick-fil-A But when you order something or you ask for something uh, there in that restaurant, I guess they still do it. Uh, I haven't been there in a long time. But they used to say, they didn't say you're welcome. They say it's my pleasure. Christine Hunter wrote an article about that specific thing at Chick-fil-A in Southern Living. She thought that it was strange that someone would take that effort to say that to someone. So she ran down the history of why that even came about and that phrase even came about in their their business world. And tradition says that the founder, Truett Cathy, was at another business, the Rich Carlton, at one time, and the employees there would say, my pleasure. She thought that what a wonderful way to treat your customers. And that's how it started. It represents, what does that represent? It represents the willingness to go the extra mile above and beyond what was even required. Normally, someone would say, you're just welcome. 
So in Matthew chapter 5, and going back just a little bit, in verse 20, our Lord says to, to them there, he says, Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, what does he say? You shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now the Pharisees were all about doing what was right. They were all about doing, following the law to every dot and crossing of the T and, and uh, all those things. He said, so except your righteousness exceed that, he says, in no way can you go to heaven. During this time, a Roman soldier could order a Jew to, to do something. Maybe that they didn't even want to. I think about Simon of uh, Serena, Matthew 27, and verse 32. Standing along the way as our Lord carried his cross physically and as he began to stumble and fall because of weakness, and the Roman soldier ordered Simon to carry it for him. Probably didn't want to. Because most Jews did not like doing what the Roman people or soldiers had told them to do. And the Roman soldiers could even go ahead and order at different times. He could order a Jew or whoever to carry his backpack for uh, one mile. So all throughout the land there were little markers, little stones if you will, that measured one mile. And if that Roman soldier passed by a Jew and said, oh, I'm tired of carrying my backpack, I'm going to make you carry it. He had to carry it for one mile, and most Jews would only carry it for that one mile because they despised it and drop it and say, I'm done. I've met my duty. So our Lord is using that thought to teach us something. He says not, he says not if, if one compels you to go one mile, he says go with him what? Twain. Go with him two. Go above and beyond whatever you do in life. Go above and beyond, especially spiritually. So you go back and when you see our Lord here, he, see, he tells them, he says, you have heard it said. You have heard in verse 43 that it hath been said. Now what he's saying here, he's saying other people have said. Men have said. Philosophers have said. He says you've heard it said. But then he goes right on, right on. Hey, in 44, he says, but I say unto you. Now you go back and you trace these things in verse 21. He says, you've heard it said. He has six, about six things here. So He says, you've heard it said that it was of old time that thou shalt not kill, you shall not murder. But I say... Don't do that. He tells you in, in verse uh, going on in, uh, through that chapter about adultery. Uh, in, in, I believe it's in 27, I believe. Uh, where he says, you've heard it said of old times that thou shalt not commit adultery. 
Verse 31, he talks about divorce. 33, he talks about oaths. He says, I don't, he says, I say, don't swear. You think about how our Lord laid these things out. He goes on in verse 38. Don't retaliate. Turn the other cheek. And he says in verse 43 to go on and say, oh, he says, but the ultimate thing of Christianity is love. He says, show that to people. That's what you do. Men may say this, but I say this. So when we think about this concept of going the second mile, we have to think about God. God went the second mile. In the garden, in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve was given a most wonderful place. And one rule. And they chose to disobey it. God could have struck them dead and ended everything right then. But guess what? He went what? The second mile, didn't he? He gave them another chance. Throughout the patriarchs in Genesis 15, and I'm not even clicking my thing up here. I'm really preaching. I didn't even forget to click it. Sorry. But in the garden that follows Genesis 3.15, but the patriarchs and Jacob and Isaac in Genesis 15.1, Abraham, he told him, he said, don't be afraid. He said, I'm your shield. And you go on into Exodus 4 and 22, a special law given there that, uh, to get, that they viewed themselves as the sons of God. So one might ask, why? Why do we do this or why did God do this? We can look throughout all of these scriptures and see that God went the second mile for his people. Hosea 11 and 1, God says, My son, I have called thee out of Egypt. He went the second mile. He allowed them to go into Egypt through the famine, through, through uh, Jacob, right? Or Joseph. And then he brought them out with Moses. He went the second mile. He led them out. But what about the gift of Jesus? God led his people. God has blessed his people. But would you say that God went the second mile in John 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that who believes through Him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Philippians 2 and verses 5 through 8, our Lord left heaven. He left the throne. He left a wonderful place where he had no problems, no worries, no physical pain at the side of his father. God gave his son. Matthew 27 and verse 46, when our Lord cried, 
My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God. God went the second mile. If you remember, our Lord came not to destroy the law, but what? To fulfill it. He went the second mile. Our God allowed those things to come. And this morning, I ask us the question, are we going the second mile? Our Lord chose to go the second mile for you, for you as mankind, you as an individual. Jesus went the second mile for you. And I ask the question this morning with the most humility and the most care and love, are you going the second mile for him? You see, that's the question. I want to tell you, God and, and our Lord has been good to, to every one of us. This morning, if you woke up and was able to put your feet on the ground, that was a great blessing. Number two, if you put your feet on the ground and you don't have some terrible dreaded disease, that's a great blessing. This morning, when you woke up and you were able to go in and wake your young children up, and dress them and feed them and they don't have some terrible disease and you're not having to go to a cancer center somewhere or you're not having to go to a doctor because they're losing their eyesight or their bodies have quit functioning in some way. That's a great blessing. God and our Lord has been good to you. Whatever you enjoyed this weekend... Whatever entertainment that you had last night or yesterday or whatever the case may have been, God blessed you with that. Whatever great, beautiful home that you live in right now, the jobs that you have that you didn't have to get or have or whatever the case may be, God has blessed you. God has blessed me. God is still going the second mile for you even though you and I have turned our backs on Him and do not go the second mile with Him in different times of our life? That's the question. Are you going? Our Lord, He left heaven. As we just mentioned just a moment ago. John 17, He's praying to His Father. He said, I've glorified you and I've finished your work. Father, I went the second mile for you. If you remember, he treated others with the golden rule, Matthew 7 and 12. He loved people. Our Lord loved people. We often hear about the golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever you uh, would that men should do to you, do you even so to them? For this is the law and the prophet. Again, simply saying, treat people how you want to be treated. He loved people. He went the second mile. He didn't have to do that. And you know what? He, he even loved leopards. Lepers 
who had been set out of the city, who had been isolated away from the city and, and uh, isolated and, and, and those things. And, and, and he even loved them. And, and people couldn't believe that he, he would touch them or even talk to them. He went the second mile. Matthew 5 in our text in 44, he loved his enemies, didn't he? You know what? God has never asked you and I, and our Lord has never asked you and I to do something he has not done himself. You see, that's the mark of a good manager in a business. Someone who is up in authority should always be willing to do everything that they've asked their employees to do. And that's how people respect you. He went the second mile. In Matthew 23 and 37, as he's approaching Jerusalem, he's beginning to look to start up the hill, and, 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 and he cries out, and, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. As I've tried to, to gather you as a chick gathers, a hen gathers her chicks. But God no longer resides with you. Our Lord died upon the cross. Luke 23 and 34. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He went the second mile. In Hebrews 12 and verse 2 talks about the persecution and the hostility, mentioning and referencing that of what our Lord went through and what he faced. Surely that's the second mile when he was willing to give his life for you and for me. You know what? This morning no one could ever complain about Jesus' effort. We shouldn't. We shouldn't complain. Like his father, he went the second mile. That's what he was trained to do. That's what he was taught to do. That's what he knew was right to do. And this morning, I ask us in our last point, are we or we must go the second mile for the Lord? What are, we, what are we doing? You see, going the second mile is not an option. You see, some people think that doing just enough, going that one mile, is all that's required. Going the second mile, according to our scripture, is not an option. It's not an option for us in Christianity. In our jobs, we may only do what's required, and, and that's all we're going to do. In our school work, we may do just what's required. That's, that's all we're going to do. We're going to feel the effects of that at some point in our life. Just as that employer looks for people who go the extra mile, who doesn't do their eight and hit the gate, our God looks for Christians who will go the extra mile. To obey the Lord. 
to become a Christian, to come back home, to realize that God has been good to you. God has blessed you. God, you, 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 you don't have what you have because of any of the efforts of what you've done. You have what you have because God wants you to have them. The children that are a great blessing to us, we don't have them because of anything that great that we've done. We have them because God blessed us. God wants us to have them. There's no greater loss than the loss of a child. I've seen parents sit by beds with their heads laid on the bed and their hands on their children crying because their child is facing death. A great, great loss. But we have them because God wants us to have them. We have the things because God wants us to have them. And we must go the second mile. Let me give you an example Something to think about. One mile. <clears throat> Let's think about it personally. Let's bring it home before we close. One miler, one milers. We'll call them one milers and second milers. A one miler is here this morning attending church. But a second miler will be back tonight at 6 o'clock. And 5.45 because of their children. A one miler, and if you go and look at that thought in Acts 20 and verse 7, if you go and look at the disciples in Acts 20 and verse 7, they're actually meeting at night when they came together to break bread. People say, oh, I ain't got to come back tonight. What about praying? A one-miler prays just whenever they feel like it. Sometimes maybe don't pray at all. Sometimes maybe just pray when they're in trouble. Maybe when a child's sick or a, a, a spouse is sick or, or they're, they're wanting something to change in their life and uh, they're wanting this promotion or that promotion. But a second-miler, according to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, Praise what? Without ceasing. Our Lord said it perfectly. Some say, you've heard it said, men say, this is the only time you pray. This is the only time you go to church. What about reading our Bibles? You may read them every day, and that's great. But that's a one-miler. A second miler will follow James chapter 1 and verse 22 and be a doer, not just a hearer. A one miler looks at Christianity and, and, and coming to church and, and attending services and, and being a part and having their children involved in, in Bible school class and, and all that. A, a, one, a, a one miler looks at it as I have to go. Or it's good for the kids. But a second miler looks at it, I want to go. 
I want to be there. As long as something other than health or something out of my control, I'm going to be with the Christians. I don't have to. Men says, retaliate. Treat people how they treat you in a wrong way. Our Lord says, turn the other cheek. Don't commit murder. Obey the Lord. Be the sons of God, Matthew 5 and 45. And, and blessed are the peacemakers in 5 and verse 9. Jesus says, don't retaliate. Don't avenge an eye for an eye. That's what I say. Be a second miler when it comes to those things. Be an obedient son of God like our Lord we find in Hebrews 5 and verses 8 and 9. And let me say to you this morning, Colossians 3 and verse 23, to go the second mile, do it heartily and not grudgingly. You see, as we look at the Lord, and, or the world rather, we should not be parallel or equal to them. The world says, just show up next Sunday on Easter. The world says, just show up on the a.m. and don't even come to class. Just show up and worship. Don't come back tonight. Do what you want to go do. The world, that's what the world says. The world says, and the Satan gives you every excuse in the world. I'm too busy. I don't have time. Let me ask you this. If your child was deathly sick, Would you then have time? The only way that you could heal your child, or the only, and these things don't happen, but I'm just giving you something to think about. The only way you could heal your child was to be back here tonight at 545 for class and 6 o'clock for worship and on Wednesday night at 7 for the next, for the rest of your life. Would you do it? Or would you say, no, it's not worth it. I ain't got time. I don't have time for that. I got something better planned tonight. You see, when you put it in that perspective, it changes, doesn't it? Father told his son one time, he says, son, here's a spot of ground. And I want you to plow this spot of ground from here to that peach tree about a hundred yards. He said, quit that. He began to work. His dad went away and done something else and he came back and, and just a little bit along and, and their, their road was just a few 50 yards beyond that or whatever. And his father coming to him, he said, son, I told you to plow from here to the peach tree. Why, 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 did, you, why did you go all the way to the road? He said, Dad, he said, I went to the peach tree because I had to. He said, I plowed to the road because I wanted to. He went to second mile. You see, it's the differences in people. It's the differences in mindset. 
we have to teach ourselves and teach our children to think that way. Often, I tell my own children, I like how you're thinking. Because you're thinking materially, you're thinking spiritually. There have been times I've had to tell them I don't like how you think. Going the second mile. Who are we this morning to presume? Who are we this morning to assume and presume that we have to do just enough or that we only do just enough to walk through the gates of heaven? Who are we this morning to presume that, to assume that if I do just enough, I'm going to make it. You see, we don't have that right. We should have the mindset of going the extra mile, going that extra effort. And again, you know, being together with the saints, I know there's things that come up. I know elderly people have issues at night and things. And I'm not talking about those things this morning. You see, but when we become so consumed with ourselves to meet our own needs, we only go one mile for God. This morning, will you go the extra mile? Will you go that second mile in obeying the gospel? Being baptized for the mission of your sins and adding to the Lord's church. Becoming a Christian. Being that father that that son needs to see or that daughter needs to see. Mothers. But number one, having hope of heaven. You see, it's all about being the sons of God. Will you believe? Will you repent? Maybe you've become a Christian years ago. Will you go the second mile? Confess those sins, repent. And I'm going to tell you, it takes a lot of humility to step out and a lot of humbleness to step out of one of those pews on either side of one of these aisles and admit that I've done wrong. And admit that I want to go to heaven. And I'm going to become a Christian. And I'm going to live for him for, for the rest of my life and put him first in all that I do. It takes a lot. As some people say, I feel it. I feel you. I know what it's like. As a preacher, I've had to repent and confess publicly. And I can feel my face get hot. <laughs> I start sweating. It's not something we're comfortable with. But I'd rather be uncomfortable here for a moment or two and do what I need to do to go to heaven than to be uncomfortable the rest of my life, or I say the rest of my life, eternally and miss heaven. When we teach our children down here, we ask them, what's the great success? 
to live my life for God and to go to heaven. That's the best successful thing that one can do in this world. I don't care what, what things you accomplish. That's true success. And failure, we teach them, is not living your life for God and going to hell. We teach them that. They say it every time that I remember. Sometimes they remind me. That's where we've got to be. This morning, will you make that choice? Will you humble yourself and step out and say, I want to come home? Our song is entitled, Why Do You Wait? You may wait too long. This morning, whatever your need may be, we ask you to come. As together, we stand and sing.